Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello there, podcast listeners. You know, today, Wall Street seems to be being controlled by the traders in particular as they're weighing the risk of a potential recession in the making. And so even though the Dow currently is up right now, it seems, at least at the time of the recording of this podcast, it seems like traders now are getting involved with trying to figure out if a recession is on the way and what that could mean for potential stocks going forward. So you see your portfolio being down today, there's a probability, not 100% sure, but there's a probability that traders are in control of the market today. Some news that we're going to cover today. We have some more news from Nightscope on their continuing growth as a company and why this continues to be a potential exciting company to look at going forward. Okay. Then we have some disturbing news from Carvana. Carvana, there's a chance that they could be going into bankruptcy. And what does that mean for Carvana going forward? Wells Fargo is also reporting news along with Bank of America that's seeing a cooling consumer amid Fed hikes. And what could that mean for the consumer and the American economy going forward? Then we have some more news that just recently came out too on the global shipments in the on the West Coast or to the West Coast and how they're down for the year as well. It's it's a it comes at a time when we just reported too about how there was a chance that the the freight industry was going to be affected or the shipping industry was going to be affected by China. And finally, last thing we got to talk about is there's a new energy policy that's about ready to be put into place by Biden and Britain. And what does that mean for gas prices here in the United States? So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. So I legally cannot give you any financial advice and you need to talk to your own professional advisor as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. This podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. And with that, oh, one more thing too, I forgot to mention. I do have a long-term and a small position in Nightscope, the company. And because I believe in the growth of this company in the making. So with that being said, let's begin this podcast today. Nightscope sells 16 more machines with three new contracts from Business Wire, Mountain View, California. A leading developer of autonomous security robots announced three new contracts totaling 16 new machines. The contracts consist of 13 new K1 blue light towers and three K1 retrofit kits. Two of the new clients are colleges in Georgia and Texas, which marked education as a significant growth sector for the company. The dangers and security issues specifically at to scholastic communities include threats of target violence, bomb threats, and cyber attacks. With tragedies spanning decades, states, and communities safely, it's still leading concern across the country. Having an adverse effect on the health and well-being of those seeking quality education, as well as teachers, professors, and fa- faculty respondents for providing. K- Nightscope's K1 Blue Light Emergency Towers and Emergency Communication Retrofit Kits serve to deter potential negative activities using cellular and satellite communications with solar power to provide additional safety in remote locations. These newer, more advanced wireless systems will save colleges money on both infrastructure and hardware costs, while improving the reliability on a modern communication network. 
Netscope's autonomous security robots and blue light emergency communications are key to providing a complete secure environment for giving and receiving education. <coughs> Sorry about that. To read Nightscope's top five recommendations for safer schools or book or call a demo online with one of their experts at nightscope.com slash discover. Okay. Nightscope continues to grow. And in fact, last I saw the stock price for the company, the stock price is now sitting at close to $2 a share. Wall Street continues to not get it. Now, I get that by the fact that Nightscope did have a disappointing quarter last quarter. I mean, they were technically in that growth phase right now as a company, but they do have a backlog that continues to grow. The other day, I read an article that actually said that the backlog of orders wasn't a good thing for Nightscope. I totally disagree. And the only reason I disagree is because that backlog means future orders in the making. Now, if the backlog gets too big and they don't produce their products fast enough, that's another issue. But what I do know from what I've gathered from studying Nightscope as long as I have is that Nightscope will probably meet those demands, okay? Their biggest issues by far for their backlog will most likely continue to be the autonomous robots. Like the K1 tower, well, the K1 tower would be easy to deploy and same with the K1 hemisphere. But the K3, the K5, and potentially the K7 the K7 is as big as a car. The K5 is their robot that's you'll see and well-known more in, on Instagram posts or on social media in general. And their K3 is their indoor model. Those have to roam by themselves. And you have to be able to set up the software in order to allow the robot to roam. But the towers in particular, those should not be an issue to get out for the company. Now, maybe the K1 uh, hemisphere and K1 tower, yes, that could be have issues because you have to get the software within the company. But at the same time, with their blue light towers, I just don't see that being an issue. I mean, they are just call boxes in a way that have solar panels on top of it. Now, if it's a supply chain issue, that's another issue. But at the end of the day, I think their backlog of orders eventually, I mean, as long as there's a backlog of orders and they can continue to push their products out there, then yeah, that won't be an issue. The other thing too about Nightscope is they're about ready to release within, I think this month, sometime within the next couple of days or maybe a few weeks from now, they have to announce the combined effort of the K8, uh, not the K8, the 8K as it's called, the 8K report of the combined entity between Nightscope and Case Community, Case Emergency System. When that report comes out, maybe Wall Street will start paying attention a little bit more. It's hard to tell. But that report has to come out soon because it's almost been 70 days since the merger happened between the two companies. And it is a report that has to come out. And not only that still, but Nightscope is about ready to announce, hopefully within the next month, either this month of December or next month in January, that they have an authority to operate with the federal government, and which means they can sell their robots to the federal government. That means taxpayer dollars would be going into funding this company in a way. So it's going to be interesting to see what finally makes Wall Street pay attention to this company soon. And like I said, small disclosure, I do have a small, small position in Nightscope. It's a long-term position, but I do have a position in the company because I believe in the company going forward. And this isn't financial advice, obviously. Now onto the auto industry. Carvana shares tank as bankruptcy concerns grow for used car retailer. Shares of Carvana plummeted more than 40% in Wednesday morning trading after the embattled online used car retailer largest creditors signed a deal binding them to act together in negotiations with the company. The pact, as first reported by Bloomberg, includes creditors such as Apollo Global Management and Pacific Investment Management that holds around $4 billion of Carvana unsecured debt, or about 70% of the total outstanding. The agreement will last at least three months. Such creditor agreements are viewed as a way to streamline negotiations around new financing or a debt restructuring. They have assisted in preventing creditor fights 
that have complicated other debt restructurings in recent years. A person with knowledge of the situation who is also not authorized to speak publicly on the matter confirmed details of the deal Wednesday to CNBC. They downplayed the big signaling any increased concerns for bankruptcy, citing the company's meaningful liquidity, 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 liquidity runway. Liquidity runway, that's what it is. Liquidity runway. Following the creator... Uh, creditor deal, Webb Bush analysis Jeff Basham said Wednesday that bankruptcy is becoming more likely for Carvana and downgraded its stock to underperform from neutral and slashed its price target to $1 from $9 per share. JP Morgan said Wednesday that the creditor deal si uh, signals that Carvana may have initi initiated debt restructuring negotiations with bondholders, but the possibility of intimate Chapter 11 filing seems low. We believe CVNA has enough cushion through short-term revolvers to get through till the end of 2023. And a severe recession could accelerate that by one or two quarters, said an investor note. Carvana did not immediately respond for comment. Pimco and Apollo declined to comment. Trading of Carvana shares are, were briefly halted Wednesday morning after the stock fell below $5 a share for the first time since the company went public in 2017. The stock fell below $4 a share after the halt was lifted. Carvana stock has plummeted by 97% this year after reaching all-time high of $376.83. 83 cents per share on August 10th of 2021. Carvana has received a litany of analysis downgrades since the company reported disappointing third quarter earnings last month and gave a bleak outlook. The company grew exponentially during the coronavirus pandemic as shoppers shifted to online purchasing rather than visiting a dealership with the promise of hassle-free selling and purchasing of new used vehicles at a consumer's home. But Carvana did not have enough vehicles to meet the surge in consumer demand or the facilities and employees to proceed the vehicles it did have in stock. That led to Carvana to purchase ADESA and a record number of vehicles amid sky-high prices as demand slowed amid rising interest rates and recessionary fears. Okay. And last thing we'll read, it says, Car Carvana has reportedly borrowed money to cover its losses and its growth initiatives, including all an all-cash $2.2 billion acquisition early this year of ADESA, U.S. physical auction business from Car Global. Okay. Here's the thing with Carvana. Carvana is probably going, at least in my opinion, if they file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, it's going to be huge headlines that day on Wall Street. Okay, There's already been companies filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy currently right now on Wall Street. And this wouldn't surprise me at all if this were to happen with Carvana. Okay, Carvana probably, its heydays are behind it in the making. Carvana... I mean, there's a there's a video that came out recently that actually talks about the history of Carvana, and there's some there's some interesting details behind it. I won't get into the full details of what I saw in there. I would advise going to look up Carvana because Carvana will be talked about a little bit more, especially if they file for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, like I said. But Carvana's heydays are probably done. Okay, it's like what Mark Zuckerberg said a few weeks back, which we talked about on this podcast. Mark Zuckerberg also bet too that that the world was changing to more online shopping and that's what he had Facebook do. And then when the coronavirus ended pretty much and people got back to their normal lives, then that's when Facebook started feeling the pain. And that's why even Facebook is having to lay off employees. Okay. Carvana is probably in the same boat right now. Currently. I mean, I'm not a financial advisor, obviously just from what I've observed and from reading past articles and being able to report to you fellow podcast listeners about what's happening. But at the end of the day, it seems like Carvana, their heyday is done. Now, can the company turn around? Of course, any company can turn around. But it also means that Carvana has to be able to start making decisions now to determine their future. And I personally right now just don't see that happening. 
especially with this article coming out too here. It says, quote, there is a slowdown happening. Wells Fargo B of A CEO point to cooling consumers amid Fed hikes. This is from CNBC as well. Okay. It says here from CNBC, American consumers are tapping the brakes on spending as the Federal Reserve interest rate increases reverberated throughout the economy, according to to two correction according to the CEOs of two of the largest American banks. After two years of pandemic fueled double digit growth in Bank of America, card volume, the rate of growth is slowing. CEO from Bank of America said Tuesday as the financial conference, while retail payments surged 11% so far this year to nearly $4 trillion. That increase obscures a slowdown that began in recent weeks. November spending rose just 5%, he said. It was a similar story at rival Wells Fargo, according to the CEO, who cited shrinking growth in credit card spending and roughly flat debit card transaction volumes. The bank leaders, with their bird's eye view of the U.S. economy, are providing evidence that the Fed's campaign to subdue inflation by raising borrowing costs is beginning to impact consumer behavior. Fortified by the pandemic stimulus checks, wage gains, and low unemployment, American consumers have supported the economy, but that appears to be changing. That will have implications for corporate profits as business navigate 2023. There's a slowdown happening. There's no question about it. The CEO of Wells Fargo said, we're expecting a fairly weak economy the entire year, and hopefully it'll be somewhat mild relative to what could possibly be. Both CEOs said they expect recession in 2023. Bank of America's CEO said he expects three quarters of negative growth for the next year, followed by a slight uptick in the fourth quarter. But in the divergence that have implications for the coming months, the downturn isn't being felt equally across retail consumers at businesses so far, according to Wells Fargo CEO. Quote, we have seen certain more stress on the lower end consumer than the upper end, one of the CEOs says, in terms of the companies served by Wells Fargo. Oh, correction, that was the Wells Fargo CEO who said that. There are, there, are, there are some that are doing quite well, and there are some that are struggling. Airlines, cruise providers, and other experiences of entertainment-based industries are faring better than those involved in durable goods, he said. The sentiment has echoed by the CEO of Bank of America, who cited strong travel spending. Yeah, people are traveling again, okay? And honestly, in fact, if we can get to our second podcast, we actually be able to talk about the airline industry today, if we have time to be able to do that. But the... The market right now, all the money is shifting. Like people are consuming. It's like before the COVID pandemic, people were buying experiences, traveling in particular. So to me, it's not surprising that travel is back on and buying goods, buying goods at a store. Not so much. People want to be to be able to take pictures on social media of their happiness, not to buy a good or service at a store to find happiness. Okay, you know. But at the same time, I'm I'm curious of what Jamie Dimon has to say. And honestly, out of all the bank CEOs, the the one CEO that I look to the most to figure out where the economy's really going would probably be Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And the reason being is he said months ago that it was coming, and he's pretty awfully quiet right now. Okay. Now, granted, maybe this is what's happening at Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Maybe these companies are feeling the pinch right now, and maybe a company like J.P. Morgan Chase is not. Okay. So does that mean Bank of America and Wells Fargo's quarter reports next earnings are going to be pretty bad across the board? There's a chance. I mean, they're saying that there's not as much spending right now, at least on their side of things, but we have JP Morgan Chase who's not reporting that currently right now. If he does report that, then it'll give me an idea that banks are feeling it. But I don't think all banks are feeling it. I just think these are two CEOs that are currently feeling it for their companies. And I'm wondering too, if they're trying to cushion the fall of their stocks of their company, should they report earnings soon? 
and I think they report earnings in January of next year. So it's, I mean, sometimes CEOs come out and say this stuff beforehand, and this could be just their warning currently right now. Or maybe that we can add two new CEOs to the list of where the economy is potentially going. It's hard to tell. But we do have more news from the global shipment area of what's happening, okay? It says freight rates from China to West Coast down 90% as global trade falls off fast. From CNBC, logistic managers are sending the message to clients that the ocean freight market is correcting itself at a faster pace than anticipated. Shipping's firm's HLS recently wrote to clients, we initially expected the market was about to correct itself and normalize sometime in 2023, but it comes much earlier than we expected. The peak in the market, according to Alan Berry, CEO of OLUSA, said the second quarter, quote, from there, from there, a steady decline, Bear said. The market may have reached the low point in November, he said, but added, quote, it's still too early to tell if that is a trend. Despite the spot market call. That's a weird saying, right? How they worded this. Despite the spot market collapse, the major shipping lines reported nearly $122 billion in profits over the first three quarters, according to Sea Intelligence CEO Alan Murphy. Trade data shows a decline in Asia imports to the U.S. by 11% year over year in October, which built on a September deadline. Quote, we don't find any grounds for optimism in November, HLS told clients. The ocean freight contractor markets tracked by, I think it's called Xneta Global X... SI recorded a drop of 5.7% November. The third month is now rates have dropped and the largest month over month decline recorded since the launch of the XSI in 2019, according to Peter Sand, chief analysis at XNETA. For many carriers, the fall of fall in the XSI will trigger the fall in their average rates and will bring an end to record-breaking quarters, he said. Sands expects a challenging environment to continue given the 40% drop in Chinese manufacturing orders and logistic managers expecting demand normalization to not occur until next summer. Exneta data indicates that 85% of consumers plan to decrease ocean freight spending in 2023, while 42% say their volumes will stay stable slash consistent with 2022, said Sands, suggesting a further decline in cargo volumes. Despite the latest announcement, zero COVID policy easing measures by the Chinese government, the delays in delivery of raw materials and products by trucks com- coupled with earlier manufacturing closures are pinching the logistics windows for shippers. Orders are definitely down. Volumes are way down, said Joe, CEO Worldwide Logistics Group. Overall vessel utilization is down, even with the large number of blank canceled sailings. According to Fredos, despite the increase in canceled sailings, which has cut vessel capacity, the... Her- Hemorrhaging of ocean freight prices continues. Hemorrhaging, yes, that's how you say that. Asian U.S. West Coast prices fell 26% to 1,426-FEU. This rate is 90% lower than it was the same time last year. Asia to East Coast prices decreased 19% to 3,723 divided by FEU and are 78% lower than the rates of this week's last year. And Asia to Europe prices of the FBX 11 weekly fell 2% to 3,974 divided by FEU and are down 73% than rates for the week last year. Easing fuel prices are removing some pressure on container rates, according to a report from Judah Levine, head of research of Fredo's. You know, I mean, it might be a good thing and also might be a bad thing if there is less ships coming in. You know, honestly, I mean, I still think some of the ports are still backed up. And honestly, okay, if it's not coming from the Asian market, it will probably be coming from the European market soon. Okay. 
And in fact, there's actually a video and we've, I think we've talked about it in this podcast too. At least there was a bunch of oil tankers heading to Europe a few weeks back, but were taking their time to get to Europe because there wasn't enough pipelines to get the oil off the oil tankers. My personal opinion, there's going to be, I don't know if there will be a slowdown fully. And honestly, I mean, think about it this way. China's reopening its economy. They're, they're easing up on the zero COVID policy. I honestly believe there's going to be a lot of demand for oil within China currently right now. And with a lot of demand in oil, which means there's going to be a lot of working going back into China, which also means there's going to be a chance that the ports are going to be filled again. Just my opinion at the end of the day. Do I expect more chaos to happen at the ports? Of course. In fact, I expect Europe to have some pain in the in the making right now. In fact, this next order, article could make my case saying that the the cargoes from ships might be increasing. Okay. Even if it's not just goods and services, it could be the oil industry, okay? Especially between the US and the UK, okay? It says here, the US pledges to ramp up supplies of natural gas to Britain as Biden and Sunak seek to cut off Russia, okay? From London, CNBC, the UK and US are forming a new energy partnership focused on boosting energy security and reducing prices. In a statement Wednesday, the UK government said the new partnership would drive work to reduce global dependency on Russian energy exports, stabilize energy markets, and set up collaboration on energy efficiency, nuclear, and renewables. Oh, that's the first time a politician has mentioned nuclear. Interesting. Continuing on, the UK-US Energy Security and Affordability Partnership, as it's known, will be directed by the UK-US Joint Action Group, headed up by officials from both the White House and the UK government. Among other things, the group will undertake efforts to make sure the market ramps up supplies of liquefied, liquefied natural gas from the U.S. to the U.K. We'll get into that in a second. That's an interesting read right there. Quote, as part of this, the U.S. will strive to export at least 9 to 10 billion cubic metrics of LNG over the next year via U.K. terminals, more than doubling the level exported in 2021 and capitalizing on the U.K.'s leading import infrastructure Wednesday announcement said. The group will also work to reduce global re- reliance on Russian energy by driving efforts to increase energy efficiency and supporting the transition to clean energy expected ex, expending um, expediting a correction expediting the development of clean hydrogen globally and promoting civil nuclear as a secure use of energy it added commenting on the plans UK Prime Minister uh, Rishi Sunak I'm sorry for my UK audience if I've messed up his name said, quote, we have the natural resources industry and innovation thinking we need to create a better, freer system and accelerate the clean energy transition. Quote, this partnership will bring down prices for British consumers and help the European dependence on Russian energy once and for all. The news comes at a time when huge uh, disruption within the global energy markets following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February. The Kremlin was one of the biggest suppliers of both natural gas and petroleum oils to the EU in 2021, according to Eurostat. But gas exports from Russia to the European Union have been significantly reduced this year. The UK left the EU on January 31st of 2020. Major European economics have been trying to reduce their own consumption and off and shore up supplies from alternative sources for colder months ahead and beyond. Uh, top CEOs from the power industry have forecast the turbulence in energy markets is likely to persist for some time. Things are extremely turbulent, as they have been the whole year, I would say, said the CEO of Italy's in L told CNBC last month. This is all I'm going to have to say, okay? This partnership deal sounds great for the people in the UK, but how does it sound like to the American people? Okay, what are we getting out of it? Most likely nothing, okay? 
Because remember, we've talked about this in the past. Joe Biden is not releasing new oil and gas leases on land. Okay, He's making it so that the oil companies, either there's so much red tape currently right now, at least that has been reported on this podcast. He's making it so that either the red tape is so high that the environmental issues is just not worth being able to drill more on the on the lands that the oil companies currently have, or he's not giving new leases because he wants to make the United States less dependent on, on oil. Okay. In reality, this sounds like the United States is going to end up having to pay more at the pump to help the UK more. Okay. Now, what I want to know is this, okay? If the UK, their last prime minister before she resigned, we've talked about this on this podcast too. I'd go listen to that podcast too. The UK prime minister before this currently current one, the one who stepped down after like, I think 30 days or something, she had actually announced that they were planning to do more fracking in the UK, okay? To, to get off Russian oil, okay? Does that mean the UK is gonna be sending their fracking oil to us then? Or is that fracking oil gonna stay in the UK? And the US still has to use our money to support another country. I don't know. It's not really saying anything here. It just says that they're ramping up supplies of natural gas to Britain because that's what the U.S. is doing to Britain at the end of the day. I mean, I get that the world is feeling pain, okay? But it also means now us in the United States, there's a high probability we could see more increase at the pump. You're not seeing it right now because it's the winter blend that's being used right now. But come summertime, you could see price hikes in your gas pump, potentially, not 100% sure. I mean, what some of those things could happen, like the war between Russia and Ukraine could end tomorrow and gas prices could fall. But at the end of the day, with I do know this, okay? Oil companies right now are going to be shipping oil to the highest bidder across the world right now, okay? And there's a high probability that you can expect Joe Biden's presidency to blame oil companies again, especially if they make record profits in the making again. We're making a prediction here, okay? The oil markets, in my opinion, and this isn't financial advice, just my just my personal opinion, okay? Oil companies are probably going to make more money next quarter, and we can potentially see the White House blaming oil companies again. But remember, we just read this article from CNBC. I'll read the article again. The headline, U.S. pledges to ramp up supplies of natural gas to Britain as Biden and Sun, Sunak seek to cut off Russia, Okay. We're supporting the UK to get more oil. I get that. But that also means we need to be considering drilling more in our own land to meet this demand in the making. Okay. Here's another thing too. What if China reopens like we've talked about and China has a huge demand for oil? Now, granted, China might just end up buying all their oil from Russia in the end if there really is a demand. And that means Russia just makes a lot more money in the end too. But then in the day, we have to make a decision. Is it worth it? Don't know. I know how the markets are going to react. Markets are going to love it. Markets potentially are going to make a lot of money off of it too. So keep an eye out for that fellow podcast listeners. Like I said, this is financial advice, but if there is blame in the future, just remember, we we talked about it here. Joe Biden has said the United States will help support the UK and their natural gas in the making to lean themselves off Russian natural gas. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that Wall Street isn't talking about or not willing to talk about at this time. Please also continue to share with friends or family as this continues to help grow this podcast as much as possible. To my fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for continued support and continuing to send out the podcast to fellow people. 
as we keep growing as a podcast. And thank you so much. With that being said, thank you so much to listen to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.